0: Cadillac. So hurry in today and get more than you expect for less than you imagined. Another reason, Cody is why, Chevy's the buy. Chevrolet, find new roads. It's time to get the story behind the story. Interviews with newsmakers, newsbreakers, and your phone calls. Radio Vermont presents the Mark Johnson Show.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Jim Condon. And uh, we're broadcasting live this morning at Red Hen Cafe and Bakery. Uh, Speaking of Jim Condon, he will be one of our guests coming up on the program later at about 10.15 this morning. He and uh, his uh, radio partner, Louis Mano, will be joining us here. We're going to kind of go back here to the uh, beginning of the Mark Johnson Show. Back to 1990 when I uh, began my radio career with uh, Louie Mano and Jim Condon up in Burlington, at WKDR we were on a daytime only uh, broadcast license out of Plattsburgh for a while, 1070 on your AM dial which was really kind of bizarre because we would literally change the schedule every month of how long we were on the air and of course the, uh, the shortest broadcast day of the year would be in the middle of December when we'd have the most christmas advertising so it never really worked that well but then eventually uh, we purchased a radio station uh, the 1390 signal and uh, in Burlington moved all of our programming over to that and then uh, we ran that for uh, about eight and a half nine years and then sold the station to uh, to the one and only Ken Squire which is then uh, when I started appearing on WDEV so uh, Louie and Jim will be joining us coming up at about 10.15 uh, I know a lot of you are looking forward to hearing from them so uh, that's great Also, we'll take your phone calls throughout the program this morning. Love to hear from you at 244-1777. That's our local number in Central Vermont. And you can also reach us on our toll-free lines at 877-291-8255. By the way, thank you. I got some just fabulous feedback from uh, the uh, interview that I had yesterday that I broadcast with, uh, with my mom. Um, thank you. It was really just uh, really great. I heard from a number of people I'd never heard from before. Uh, a couple of people that, uh, of course, I have heard from before. It's just really encouraging, and, and I will uh, dare say uh, my mom uh, enjoyed it too. So that was great. Again, our phone numbers on the program. You can reach us at two four four seventeen seventy seven, toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Coming up tomorrow on the program, I'll be back. At the uh, studio for the uh, our final program, uh, UVM President Tom Sullivan will be joining us. Also, we'll talk with some folks that are doing an opera version of the uh, the well-known Judavine uh, uh, story. So we'll be featuring that coming up on the uh, program tomorrow. 244-1777 is our local number, toll-free 877-291-8255. Let's give a nice warm radio for my welcome this morning to Dr. Deb Richter, who uh, not only is. Uh
0: It's really heating up out there, and so are the deals at Mid-State Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram during the summer clearance event. With Chrysler giving us extra incentives on select models, we can offer some terrific deals, like a brand-new Chrysler 200, a loaded mid-size sedan with $3,500 off and 0% financing for 72 months. Now that's a great deal. Looking for a Jeep? The all-new Jeep Renegades are here, and we have brand-new 2015 Jeep Patriot 4x4 starting at just $17,821. Ram truck leases are ridiculously low, and so are leases on Jeeps. Don't delay. Inventory is good, but these deals are hot, and they will go fast. Mid-state Jeep, halfway between Barry and Montpelier on Route 302.
2: Know what it's like to be pushed up against the guardrail by a vehicle traveling at 70 miles per hour? I do. I've been working on Vermont roads for nine years. I'm also a son, a brother, and an uncle. I could be your neighbor or your best friend. So please watch out for me when you're driving through a work zone. Slow down, put away that cell phone, and stay focused. Your safe driving makes the work zone safer for everyone. This safe driving message brought to you by the Vermont Agency of Transportation.
3: Dave, we have Mike Johnson back from the uh, Red Hen. A little technical difficulties, but we should be back on the air.
1: Yeah, uh, this could be actually one of those sort of challenging mornings, John. So uh, don't drift too far here. Um, I, I think our signal is going to be all right here. We're a little lower capacity than I'd like. But um, in any case, we'll, we'll get that into business here. Uh, because, you know, it's really all about what comes out of the speaker. You can join us at 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. I was uh, interesting the first good morning dr. Deb Richter who is a longtime advocate for single-payer health care uh, I was also mentioning she is a, uh, a dear friend of mine and I was really I think that the subject of one of the more memorable programs that I've had here in 25 years I self-reflect on that but the uh, the opportunity that I had to uh, thank dr. Deb for the help she gave me after my dad died three years ago um, good morning that's good a, morning, there, there's an introduction for you huh
4: Thanks so much.
1: Yeah. How are you this morning? Nice, beautiful day oh, out there. Yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the first time you were on the Mark Johnson show?
4: I do. I believe it was 1999 when I moved here. And I didn't really want to be on your show, Mark. <laughs> Why is that? And you talked into it. I just moved here and you wanted to talk about single-payer and uh so anyway you talked me into it and i enjoyed it yeah great
1: i think you were on for about two hours i think you're on the entire show (laughs) because there was so much to talk about right so we're in 1999 compared now to 2015 all right let's talk actually some real legitimate news here uh this is a big year for health care reform here in vermont with the governor dropping his plan so where where do things stand now in end of august 2015 with health care reform here in vermont
4: well, it's a mixed bag. I think uh, the Affordable Care Act, unfortunately, the exchange, um, which has run into so many problems, I think has has polluted uh, the field there, and it makes it much more difficult for us to to continue. Um, but I also feel that we there's more of the of the public is is on board with with needing more comprehensive reform than was way back in the '90s. Uh, most of that that's to do with the rising costs and the fact that people are paying so much more out-of-pocket now than they ever were before. And um, there isn't going to be eventually any other way to solve the problem. But let's face it, when you're dealing with 19% of the economy, it right. is not something that just turns on a dime, and I think that's what we found out at the state level. This wasn't something where you could just flip a switch and change the way we collect the money and pay for health care and that we really needed to do it at more of the sector level or on a smaller scale. Even in Vermont, where we're tiny, we're the size of a county and other states, we still have all of those same uh, issues in terms of trying to change things. So I think that's probably the lessons we learned. But I do feel the governor did bring this along and him at least legitimizing the idea of single payer and the fact that we really needed to to go at it at a much slower approach than we were doing.
1: But were was it a case where the vested interest stopped it or was it was it something else?
4: Well, I'm not really sure. I do know that when it came down to analyzing the details of what we would need to do... Because let
1: me interrupt. I mean, I could see that on a national level. You know, we've seen this consolidation, say, of all these insurance companies, a lot of consolidation going on, just generally speaking. But I I don't know. I mean, it seems like Vermont, it really came down to they just couldn't make the numbers work.
4: Well, let's keep in mind, if you look at this from 20,000 feet, the, the numbers that they came up with still show that we could fund health care for all vermonters a comprehensive package for less money than we were currently spending the problem always comes when you're taking that money from different pockets and the people whose pockets you're taking from have more political influence there's also other measures that you're right i think the hospitals um... weren't really happy with the idea of of having, necessarily having global budgets across the board and so there was probably some political pressure to stop it that way but I also think it's in terms of the legislature that really was clear even a year before the governor announced it that they had very little intention of passing a $2 billion tax of any kind, even though we were already spending that in the form of premiums and out-of-pocket payments. Yeah, I mean, we were not creating more money into the healthcare system. In fact, less money. But you're taking it from different places, which changes the political forces. Uh, so,
1: but how would how would have the system that they were talking about with a payroll tax? If it's all going to come out of our pockets, one way or another, how would that have how would that have improved? the access, how would that have improved the, the cost
4: going up? Well, what you're doing, first of all, we, we would be spending money differently in terms of the outlay. And and right now, we spend an enormous amount of money just on, an, on administrative costs in terms of collecting and paying for health care. Um, and that is not necessary when you have a system where everyone has the same benefit package. Right now, you go into a doctor's office or a hospital, and everyone that walks in there pretty much has a different kind of insurance. So we have armies of billing clerks to figure out how we're going to collect the money to keep our doors open. Same thing in a doctor's office. All of that goes away, and that money, if you collect the same amount, you can spend on medical care. Mm -hmm. So what you can do, and primary care, which is one of the issues that I'm
3: having some technical issues with the Mike Johnson show, but uh, bear with us.
1: I love being there amongst all the fans. It's a rush. You don't get the rush on TV. The level of intensity for the chase that you just don't see any other time of year.
4: Make your next memory September 27th. Buy your Sylvania 300 tickets now at nhms.com.
2: Great place to shop. I'm Tom McHuron. For over seven decades, Mihirans has been catering to the needs of the Mad River Valley and beyond.
1: We have custom-cut meats, fresh produce and seafood, regular and organic
2: grocery, locally produced foods galore, topped off by an extraordinary wine and beer department and a state liquor agency. Shop Mehiron Supermarket, Village Square Shopping Center, Waitsfield.
1: Thank you, uh, John Noyce. We are broadcasting live this morning at Red Hand Cafe and Bakery. Apologize uh, for a couple of technical uh, glitches here. I um, think we'll be okay here. Uh, love to hear from you. You can always join us on the program at 244-1777 is our local number. Toll free 877 291 We've been talking with Dr. Deborah Richter. We've been talking about... Health care reform. I have absolutely no idea where we were. I I know, remember where we were. Thank goodness. What
4: we were talking about was how would this change health care as we know it? And I was saying that we would have more money to spend on health care and less, we would spend less on administrative costs because it wouldn't be needed. Um, And one of the most important areas that we should be spending money on, in fact, we should be giving it away for free, is primary care. Because there's the only sector of care that has been shown to improve the health of the population. We know this. It's very inexpensive. And if we pay for that for everyone and simplify the way the doctors get paid so that it makes it easier for them to take care of patients, um, then we can end up improving the health of the population and preventing disease, preventing expensive hospitalizations. And so, that
1: what, do you, what do you mean, give it away for free? What, how would, how could that possibly work?
4: Well, right now we give away vaccinations for free. The entire state is publicly funded through the state. Okay, well, everyone has free vaccinations. So you do not have to. The insurance doesn't have to pay whatever. The state pays for those. This essentially would be: we would collect the money for health care and pay for primary care for every single Vermonter publicly. So it wouldn't matter whether you had insurance or not. You would get primary care. Your doctor would be paid, your nurse practitioner would be paid uh, through this state fund, and that would be a way of of improving the health of the population.
1: Mm -hmm. There were some people that felt the governor came up with numbers that weren't realistic. It was too rich a plan that he kind of sabotaged his own plan. Do you you think that's the case?
4: No, I don't. And again, I, I would remind people that the plan was was essentially not even a totally comprehensive plan, but um, this was sort of like what a very rich Blue Cross Blue Shield plan would have been way back when. The fact is is that at, at a macro level, we could afford to pay for that comprehensive plan for all Vermonters for less money. Again, it's the size of the tax all at once that is what people got sticker shock, mm-hmm. because you're all of a sudden asking the, overnight for this new tax to be paid for through a payroll tax that all of a sudden people who don't realize, because of the way we pay for health care now is so hidden in many ways. We pay higher prices for goods, we pay higher property taxes, all of these things are ways that we right. pay for healthcare care now that we don't even realize are paying for health care. Yeah. We keep thinking, "Oh, that's my property tax." Well, that pays for right. your teacher's health insurance, right. and and your city taxes. That pays for city workers' health insurance, and when your employer pays, they charge more money for what it is they're selling. So all those are, are hidden ways that we pay, plus the enormous out-of-pocket costs that people pay, which means there is less money for them to do other things. You know, go out to a restaurant, for example, or right. send their kids to camp. All of those things because they may be paying two three four five thousand dollars out of pocket for health care
1: Yeah you, I mean you mentioned that seems to be a real change I, I mean that's all I hear from people too is that they've got coverage but they've got these these deductibles that are that are monster
4: Absolutely. And if you have two or three couple of things that happen to your family in a year, even a relatively healthy family kid breaks his arm uh, you know some other minor condition comes up, you're really talking about meeting that deductible before you even get a dollar's worth of health insurance. And that is going to get worse um, because what we're seeing now is um, employers especially don't want to be subjected to the Cadillac tax that's going to be in place. I believe that starts in 2018. Um, That Cadillac tax will encourage employers to give less rich benefit plans, and Mm -hmm. that will impose more out-of-pocket spending on the part of individuals. Mm Well. You know, at what point do we say we cry uncle and say this is enough and that we do know we could expand essentially the Medicare system and ex- expand it and extend it to everyone for less money than we're spending. This has been shown again and again and again, yet we keep trying to find different ways to avoid doing that. Mm-hmm. And I do believe a lot of this ACO, uh, accountable care organization is, is one of those efforts to try to avoid doing public funding of health care just like every other industrialized country does.
1: Is it a smokescreen? Is it a diversion? A distraction? Well
4: there's there's certainly evidence that we could be providing higher quality care. But the real question is why? And when you look at, for example, um, you know the average diabetic who may not be getting their, um, their diabetes checked every couple of months and may not be, some of that has to do with the fact that the patient is having to pay out of pocket for some of the testing and, and going to the doctor for these visits, for example. And that affects the quality of care. Access affects quality if you have do not feel you have access because you can't afford to go to the doctor yeah. that affects the quality of your care if you do because you what, wait till it gets well, more sure. serious yes yeah. And that's the nature of the beast, that's what we do, people self-ration when they have a high deductible and that sort of thing. So this does affect, so the real question is, is it it really the fact that the doctors and the nurse practitioners don't understand how to practice good medicine, or is it this combination effect of all of these things that are keeping people from getting the care they need? Mm -hmm. And again, why we need really good primary care. Because in general, people don't ration their expensive care. By the time you end up needing the cardiologist or the heart transplant or those sorts of things, people understand, wow, I'm, I might die if I don't do this now, and they end up doing it. And even if it means going broke, right. uh, they will do it. But when it comes to the, to the regular routine chronic care for chronic disease, that's the stuff that people end up avoiding when they have a high copay and deductible. And it, it's really mm-hmm. penny-wise pound foolish. We know in other countries where they essentially do they they spend more at the primary care end than they do necessarily for example in the UK than at the tertiary care so the expensive high tech care and their outcomes are better their quality's better they live longer so we know that if you spend at that end that that actually improves the care for the whole population.
1: We're talking with um, Dr. Deb Richter. You can join us on the program at 244-1777, toll free 877-291-8255. So explain something to me. Years back, you were really advocating this idea of having the hospitals be the area where there'd be this, this sort of single payer and that that was really where a lot of the money was being spent. And now I hear you talking primary care. So has there been a, a change of thinking here?
4: Well, I think it's a change in in recognizing what the legislature would conceivably take on, and even they're even allergic to a tax that would fund primary care for all Vermonters at this point.
1: So what, what would that what would that take? Just roughly?
4: Well, they're 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 actually running a study right now. This is being done by the Joint Fiscal Office and a company called Wakely. They're actually looking into how much it would cost with with firm numbers we my organization came up with a number of we would need to to raise a hundred and sixty million dollars to publicly fund primary care for all vermonters Medicare would would continue as is and you know Medicare and Medicaid would contribute what they're contributing now and we could fund everybody could have primary care that's a back of the napkin worst-case scenario If you were going to publicly fund hospital coverage for all Vermonters, Mm -hmm. you're talking a billion-dollar tax because it's such a much... So if they're resistant and reluctant to do primary care, which has been shown, again, as I said, hospital care has not been shown to improve the health of the population. The only sector is primary care. We all know this. They all talk about it. But there's not enough action in that regard in my in my view so if you're not going to even be able to get primary care of that you got to work hard at that imagine trying to get the hospital care the other thing to remember is the hospitals own a good amount of the real estate at this point they mm-hmm. have bought up a lot of doctors practices and right. they they will a tremendous amount of political clout
1: where and how how is that how is that changed health care by them doing that has that been good or bad?
4: I think, as well, studies have shown that it actually increases the cost of care. So when they buy up a doctor's practice, that doctor's practice costs people more. And there's all these facility fees and all these other uh, ad- additional costs. It actually costs more than it would um, the independent doctor practices actually are much cheaper. And they're much cheaper for the patient uh, than these ones that are owned by the hospital. But it should be disturbing to people. We know if we look at California that has had a huge, massive consolidation of the provider sector where hospitals have bought up doctor practices, costs have gone through the roof and that has been shown again and again that's not even a question that's not even opinion that's a fact Mm -hmm. so we should be disturbed about the fact that we are seeing this I think we should also look at the fact is why are we uh, taking over hospitals in New York State Uh, Fletcher Allen actually um, is uh, owning two hospitals in New York State as far as I understand and we should be concerned about this because when patients are coming to these hospitals, and we're responsible. Are are Vermonters paying for New Yorkers' health care, is the question. We talk about cost shift. Vermonters are paying for New Yorkers' health care. This is something I think...
1: Tell me, how how does that work? Well,
4: if you look at what Vermont Medicaid reimburses for services, it pays more than New York State Medicaid. Okay. So when a hospital comes up short, so let's just say a New Yorker comes in, they've been in a major trauma, car accident, they come to Fletcher Allen, and they get treated. That, and New York pays a lower rate okay. than even our Vermont Medicaid, which, you know, the hospitals are always claiming Vermont Medicaid doesn't pay enough. Right. They pay even less. They go to the Green Mountain Care Board and ask for increase the ability to increase private insurance rates. Well, what happens? So we're paying for New Yorkers underpaying our hospitals
1: okay so they're not kept separately somehow there's not a fletcher allen silo and whatever these hospitals are in new york and they're regulated by new york and that's regulated by vermont
4: i i'm assuming that those are separate but the problem is we also pay for new yorkers who get care at fletcher allen we're paying for that and when they don't have enough money to meet their fixed costs of which by the way is very high in other words, once a hospital's up and running, most of the costs are fixed. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even matter if there's no patients in the beds. Mm-hmm. It there's there's those costs are already there.
1: Okay, I don't so, think I knew this. So if a New York patient comes over to Vermont to Fletcher Allen and gets a procedure done, Fletcher Allen gets paid based on New York Medicaid rates. Right. Okay. Hmm.
4: So that is a problem, and you know, in my view, that's something that hasn't really been looked at. We keep talking and. You know, screaming about low rates of Vermont Medicaid, yeah. but they're they're even lower in New York. So, 25% of Fletcher Allen's patients are coming from New York State. I don't know what percentage of them are Medicaid. I would assume that there's a certain percentage, especially because we have a the level one trauma unit. Right, and that they're the ones that. You know, we we take patients from New York. Mm-hmm. Not to say that we shouldn't take them, but the point is we need to look into why are Vermonters cross-subsidizing them.
1: 244 mm-hmm. is our local number, toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. What do you think about the effectiveness of the Green Mountain Care Board with their charge to try to control the costs of health care?
4: I think they've done a wonderful job so far. I mean, when you look at years ago, how much hospitals were actually getting uh, in terms of rate increases every year. There were some years that they actually got, I think one year they got $200 million, which was a 10 or 11% increase over the year before. Wow. Uh, Right now they've reduced it to um, 3%, roughly 3%. So they have done a lot. The real question is, are we still spending too much money on hospital care that is essentially too much for the needs of the population? and I would say that the answer to that is yes and so we still have a lot more work to do however I do believe that the Green Mountain Care Board has done a tremendous job in doing that also looking at they, are, they regulate insurance rates and yes these have gone up as far as I'm concerned much too high but they are lower than they used to be so what we're doing is, is slowing the rate of increase
1: yeah but I mean, isn't, I mean inflation today is basically zero it seems like or it's really low and when they were, when those hospital budgets were going up that high, I mean, inflation seemed to be higher too.
4: Well, and what we have to look at too is that these are when you expand a hospital, that becomes again a fixed cost. So what we need to do, you know, what we've done in the past is basically said, yes, oh yes, we need a new arrhythmia unit. Yes, we need a new uh, transplant unit. Yes, we need this. Well, all of those things then become a cost that we have to pay every single year. Right. So those things. When you look at the total, definitely there are too many of those things in the state of Vermont to meet the needs of Vermonters, and that needs to be looked at. The question is, how do we go about that? The big question is how, Mm -hmm. because we know that at this point we have too many hospital beds in the state of Vermont. That is clear, and that that is driving much of the cost. It isn't because necessarily patients are getting more care, although they are, there's <clears throat> but there's a lower rate of hospitalization and admissions and whatever since over the last 10 or 15 years. But yet we keep spending more and more on hospitals. So we have to really ask that question.
1: Is there, is there a, uh, uh, I'm going ask you if there's a parallel with the consolidation of schools in that discussion. But let me take a call here. We uh, go to the phone. Jack, good morning. How are you?
0: Well, hi, uh, Mark. Uh, I had a question. In uh, May, I had a procedure And uh, I had stents put in, and uh, the uh, physician here was fantastic, and I asked her about uh, an outpatient, which they do in Syracuse, and she said she wasn't comfortable doing that. So I agreed, and uh, May 6th, I spent overnight in the hospital, and uh, I found out last week what the hospital bill was. Now I have a $12,000 with Blue Cross, wow, I'm self-employed, right. and the lady said the hospital bill, and I wrote this down for one night, was $46,101.06, that did wow. not include the surgeon's bill, and
1: okay, I missed, I really I, asked I missed question that question, go ahead. I missed it at the beginning here what, what did you get done
0: I had two cents put in okay it was a today it's a minor heart procedure
1: okay
3: All right.
0: and it was an overnight stay and it was forty six thousand dollars and wow. I cannot believe that people aren't aware of what is happening
1: yeah well that's like a expensive hotel in Dubai Wow okay well let me, let me get the doctor. Can I get her to comment on this, or is there something else you want to add?
0: Uh, no, all I was going to say is the most I've ever spent for a hotel was $1,700 to rip Carleton. And it was a much more enjoyable experience. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm sure it was. Okay. Thank you for um, thanks for calling. What's your reaction to that?
4: Well, wow. he's he's you know his bill basically is part of that 2.2 billion dollar healthcare hospital infrastructure we've got going on in Vermont, and so the only and what essentially this is the the way that hospitals end up getting paid. First of all, they bill two to three times what they expect that they will end up getting paid. So, it, it's an absolutely crazy thing. It, it's not any different than how airlines price your tickets. You know, you could try to buy one five minutes later and, you know, first it's 500 and then it's $1,000 right. five minutes later. This is a lot the way that hospitals end up because um, it's, it's a crazy stuff. They have to pay for their infrastructure. We know this the real question is 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 all of that infrastructure needed and as far as whether uh... this was an appropriate overnight stay i don't i can't comment on that because i it's possible that this gentleman had a very complicated case and i wouldn't wanna second but forty
1: six thousand
4: that's absolutely obscene
1: yeah
4: I again i i had a ho- member of my family was hospitalized for 36 hours at $92,000. So it's uh, ridiculous. Now it was in another state, but um, this is what patients are being asked. And the really the patients who suffer the most under this kind of thing is, a, is the, are the uninsured. They end up having to pay this total cost. If this gentleman has some kind of insurance, they sometimes then will negotiate
3: mm-hmm. that
4: rate down. So. He, I would encourage him, if he's really being asked to pay that 46000 to make a deal with a hospital and...
1: Um, well, but it sounds like he's he's got the $12,000 deductible, which right. is incredibly so high. It's ridiculous. So do you have Would you have any negotiating power with that? I mean, could you go to them and... Uh, it's
4: possible that the insurance company has a negotiating power, but the point is he's going to be paying that full I mean, $12,000. Yeah, because even no, if you that, knocked it right, in half, right. he's
1: still responsible for the first $12,000.
4: The, the real problem for this kind of a policy is if this gentleman should become chronically ill and need at least $12,000 worth of care every single year, he's going to pay that every year. Right. And I've seen many, in fact, that's the major cause of bankruptcy in this country, uh, is caused by medical costs. And uh, two-thirds of those folks were working and had insurance. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with these high deductibles. So this is... Absolutely obscene amount of money to be paying every year uh, for self-employed individuals, but a, not an unusual story.
1: We're going to take a short commercial break. Love to hear from you this morning, two four four seventeen seventy seven is our local number. Toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about the uh, docs' work in addiction uh, prevention uh, or recovery. We'll take a quick break. We're broadcasting live this morning at Red Hen Cafe and Bakery. We'll be back after this.
2: Ted, it's hot. Real hot. And humid, too. I mean, it's my
3: drool dries before it hits the ground hot.
1: Seriously, dude, I don't know if it could get any hotter. And the humidity, I mean, geez, I leave a puddle every time I lay down.
3: Well, Guinness, that's a little more information than I needed to know. But I know for a fact that at One Stop Country Pet Supply, the
2: deals are hotter than the temperature outside. I mean, they have a lot of great merchandise on sale this month at scorching hot prices. I know. There's something for every pet. In-stock dog beds are 25% off. Puggle Houndstock Toys are fifty percent off, and you can get a free JW dog toy with the purchase of any bag of dog food. My mom
0: saved three dollars on a Comcat stick toy,
2: and she found me a new burlap crinkle tunnel for just nine ninety nine. There are too many to mention in this ad, so this is just a sample of the hotter than usual deals this month. at One Stop Country Pet Supply. Whoa, I love this store. Well, boys, let's go check out all the hot deals during the Dog Days of Summer Super Sale, going on all month long at One Stop Country Pet Supply, Brattleboro in Berlin, Vermont, and Keene, New
1: Hampshire open every day.
4: Greg posted.
2: My brother just got a new Accord. Hashtag, yes, I'm jealous. And
4: his brother replied.
2: Outdid my little brother once again. Hashtag, my Accord rules.
4: Okay, guys. Come check out the Honda Summer Clearance Event, where you can get a Honda Accord to call your own. It comes with rearview camera and text message reader standard. And it's from KBB.com's best overall brand.
2: Uh, no way he's getting the same car as me.
4: Okay, let's take a look at the Civic then. It also comes with standard rearview camera and text message reader. It's a 2015 IIHS top safety pick and a KBB.com Best Buy.
3: That's Sounds awesome. Cool love you bro. Love you too.
2: Hurry into the Honda Summer Clearance Event for 0.9% APR financing on the 2015 Accord and Civic for well-qualified buyers.
0: To learn more, visit your local North Country Honda dealer or online at NorthCountryHondaDealers.com See dealer for financing details. SMS compatible with select phones with Bluetooth your wireless carriers rate plans apply. 2015 Kelly Blue Book brand image awards are based on the brand watch study from Kelly Blue Book Market Intelligence
2: Award calculated among non-luxury shoppers. For more information, visit KBB.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company Incorporated.
0: Special announcement. Windows Furniture is Vermont's largest furniture store so we're having Vermont's largest furniture sale. It's a 4 million dollar inventory reduction event. we recently underwent major renovations and acquired a surplus of unsold top quality inventory. We must make room immediately. 4 million dollars worth of brand name home furnishings and handmade oriental rugs have been drastically discounted for immediate sales store wide. Everything must go. Up to 60% off top quality home furnishings. Up to 70% off handmade oriental rugs. Now now is the time to buy living rooms, bedrooms, dining rooms, dinettes, sectionals, recliners, TV stands, mattresses, rugs, accessories, and more are all reduced for quick sale. Nothing held back. It's a complete
2: wall-to-wall sell-off. Hi, folks. It's Wendell. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to own the furniture you've always wanted during our massive inventory reduction event. Going on now at Wendell's Furniture
0: in Colchester and at the Vermont Bed Store, 4050 Wilson Road, South Burlington. Get details at Wendell'sFurniture.com.
1: Broadcasting live this morning at Red Hen Cafe and Bakery right off of Interstate 89, Exit 9 in Middlesex. I've been working on this uh, peach scone here uh, during the breaks because, you know, it's sort of rude to be doing a radio program and talking at the same time. Don't you think? Huh? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we've been chatting this morning. Dr. Deb Richter has been a longtime advocate here in Vermont for single-payer health care. She's also been doing work with um, helping people who are uh, addicted to opiates and uh, trying to help them uh, with uh, recovery, uh, let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that work. I, I was really just blown away. A couple of weeks ago, I had T.J. Donovan, the Chittenden County State's Attorney, on. We said, despite this big focus that's been put on the heroin epidemic, that the problem has literally not peaked yet. More or, as many overdoses by today as there were in the entire calendar year last year. What the heck is going on?
4: It's called heroin and the availability of heroin, it is everywhere. People do not realize, they do not realize it's in every single town. Um, What you have is people coming up from New York City, able to sell heroin at probably double what they would get in New York, and coming in and it's again like a bunch of cockroaches. You get rid of one, there's still hundreds there. So our problem is the availability of it. It used to be the reason people were getting addicted was they were starting out with prescription drugs and uh, ended up using those. And then once that became too expensive, then they would go to heroin. Now, what we're finding is people are starting out with heroin and continuing that. And because the Availability of prescription drugs is still there, but it's not to the same degree it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really frightening. We have 500 people still waiting on the waiting list to get treatment, even though we've expanded it. And we've done more than almost any other state in the country mm-hmm. in terms of trying to deal with this problem. It's just enormous.
1: Why why, do, why is there, I mean, you say that the problem is availability. I guess I would also say the problem is demand. Why do people? Why are so many people wanting to do this stuff?
4: Well, it's also. I think that with the young people, what I'm what I'm hearing is that it's much more socially acceptable. I mean, I was born in the fifties. I wow. went to high school, in, you know, the seventies, and it was really dirty. Oh, grungy dirty people! Only the lowest, right? Yeah, yeah. People who crawled out from under a rock—they were the only ones that did heroin. And you
1: could pick them out. You could right. identify them, right? Yeah.
4: And so nobody would have ever thought. The other thing is that heroin was only ten percent pure back in those days so this isn't your your mama or your daddy's heroin this is ninety percent pure now so people are getting addicted much more quickly so it used to be if you would snort heroin taking it in intranasally yeah you wouldn't get addicted right off right now that's a different story people have huge habits um, I have patients that were shooting 30 to 40 bags of heroin a day. Now, um, Bags are not huge baggies, okay? These are tiny little doses, but 40, 30 to 40 bags a day. So that amount of, of heroin use, and that's not an unusual habit. I'm seeing at least 10 bags a day, kind of the average person that, that is coming in, at least 10 to 20 bags a day of, of heroin. So it's, it's just blossomed it's just a horrible horrific problem that we have
1: you know that best o'brien movie the hungry heart just what one of the takeaways i got from that was the how across all economic lines this seems to be hitting it wasn't sort of the the desperate poor people that you might have some image that it was right you know the woman it's who worked at Citibank. are do you see the same thing that absolutely. It, it's just cuts across everything
4: absolutely absolutely it you know it, you know again starting out in high school kids snorting a few Percocets or you know stuff they find in their parents' medicine cabinet, and a certain percentage of the population has a different reaction to those meds. In mm-hmm. other words, that makes them feel perfect. Yeah. The ninety percent, the rest of the population feels pretty awful on opiates in general. They feel sick to their stomach. They they have um, they feel really really groggy, whereas people who tend to be towards addiction feel energized calm like they could you know rule the world they feel absolutely fabulous who wouldn't want to feel that way well they start doing that more and more and more and eventually they have a daily habit and the cheapest thing for them to do is then to turn turn to heroin and that's much cheaper than continuing the prescription drugs so that's a good percentage of the patients that I see the ones that have done that started out that way and Usually there's some kind of a social problem of some kind, either they're chronic anxiety or they have dysfunctional families, they've had some kind of a trauma, so post-traumatic stress disorder, and that this... Fills up that hole or or covers up that wound. It's it's a form of psych, psych psychic pain, I guess, mm-hmm. that it sort of alleviates. <clears throat> and um, so again, by the time I see people, they're just sick and tired of being sick and tired, is what they tell me. Um, that it's too hard to keep this up, and that they really need they really need help. But there's a lot of people out there not ready for that yet,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and that is really a very disturbing thing.
1: If you snort this stuff, if you do it nasally, how many times do you do it before you get hooked?
4: It's hard to say. It varies with people. I mean, it depends on the effect. But it, it's, um, so it's variable. I mean, there's some people that, what they call love it for sight. Really? And wow. it's immediate. And other people, they got to work at it so i've had some patients who said well my boyfriend used to do it and in the beginning i didn't like it and then i kept doing it and mm-hmm. wow and eventually i liked it mm-hmm. so that's a that's a common thread too
1: Let's go to, uh, I'm sorry, let's go to Newbury. Fred, good morning. How's it going?
3: Uh, morning. Hey, I got a question. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, uh, healthcare eventually will become a public utility. You have, uh, right now we've got, you know, consolidations going on. And so the components of uh, healthcare are pharmaceuticals, hospitals, doctors, and insurance companies. They would all roll into one, and then eventually it would become a big, gigantic public utility. What do you think?
1: Okay. All right. What do you think of that?
4: I think that's that's a really enchanting idea, and uh, certainly, I mean, I consider healthcare a public good. To me, that's uh, the way it should be. Uh, again, you know, uh, this is something that would take um, an enormous amount of legislative effort. But yes, I agree.
1: Let's. Uh, but enchanting. I sort of hear not being realistic.
4: Well, no, I, I, I think we're eventually going to have to do that. We can't, you know, again, we, I've used the word unsustainable for the last 20 years, but, you know, there really has to be a point where if you have a s- 60%, for example, of the population having huge out-of-pocket costs where right. that, that will be something they will demand. I'm also very intrigued by, by the Bernie effect. And what effect that will have nationally, because he's certainly that is one of his lead issues. He's been championing that issue of single payer for years.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I think the more exposure people get to the idea that, wow, this is just expanding Medicare.
1: Mm-hmm. But but what does Joe Biden think? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, go to Middlesex. Travin, good morning.
2: Good morning. A uh, question for the doctor on, on pathology. Um, two 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 aspects. One is I'm wondering how. How you understand the growth in, I guess, some kind of social pathology as to why, even with greater availability, people are interested uh, and get hooked on, on heroin. Um, you know, how, how why has that changed, and why is it seem to be like a geometric change? The other is you've been involved in actually trying to move towards a single payer universal healthcare system for I don't know over twenty years. It seemed like. With our legislature that this was something they were seriously thinking about um maybe you know seven years eight years nine years ago five years ago but there's been kind of a political pathology there how do you understand the change in the legislature's attitude to where they won't even consider funding something like a universal uh, primary care now i'll, I'll hang up okay. and listen All right. thanks Trevor.
4: Well, the, the, thing, the first question about why we're seeing this increase in addiction, I think a lot of it has to do with the availability, uh, initially, of uh, prescription opiates. And the second reason is the increase in the purity of the heroin that is uh, being distributed. That has, has created addicts overnight, whereas years ago people could dabble in it and kind of leave it alone. and, and now it, it has become, and again, it's sort of the root of administration. People are snorting it um, and shooting it. And so those are all things that increase your addiction much more rapidly and make you it, make it a much much harder thing to walk away from than than we saw before and the the other thing is the availability there has to be I'm I'm guessing mob involvement there again we know that there are, are entire economies that survive on creating uh, heroin and and getting into the United States so we we have a lot of uh, areas that we have to put out this fire but again I think if we could start with our young kids and have them understand um, the 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 problems that are uh, that would eventually happen, um, that would be one area that we could. And I also think as physicians we we are prescribing too many opiates to patients for reasons that probably are not needed. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people could just you know think about okay. Um, do I really need it for my, my toothache? Do I really need it when I have my wisdom teeth out? Is it something, oh, yeah, maybe yeah, a shorter come on. amount? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, come on. but these are things that, that I think we need to look at, um you know, and also the fact that people think that when they have chronic pain, that they are going to be 100% pain-free, and patients need to understand that that isn't the case. So when patients get addicted and dependent on opiates, some patients are in need of it, but there's a lot that are not. Mm-hmm. So that is the addiction question. As far as the um, single payer and the legislature, I am not convinced that we won't be able to convince the legislature that that pu- publicly funding primary care. Um, is you know i think we could convince them that that is a really good idea they all agree that we need primary care and that that is essential and that needs to be uh... funded in some way the real question is should that be publicly funded or a mixture of public and private which is what some people are suggesting so my my philosophy is is that it it's um... public funding will ensure it for all vermonters i'm not sure a public private mix would do that
1: why did the purity change
4: I don't know. I, I mean, really... why, why
1: weren't dealers back in the 70s making it as strong as they could? I'm sort of wondering what happened with the chemistry here.
4: I don't know. I mean, it's uh, really, I, that's a good question. I'll have to look into that.
1: Yeah. Let's uh, go to Sheldon Ruth. Good
4: morning. Good morning. I've been talking to Mark about health care since the early 90s. I think it's unethical for doctors and hospitals to accept different rates for the same service. So I came up with a plan to not pay more than Medicaid, and that's what I've done. I haven't waited for the government to solve my problem. I solved it myself, and I refuse to pay more for the same services than Medicaid pays. That's what our government pays, and that's all I'm paying. Well, right. you, you bring up a wonderful point that uh, we shouldn't be paying different rates <clears throat> for the same service. And in fact, that's what other countries do. For example, Germany has a multiple-payer multiple system, multi-payer. Uh, so does uh, Japan and France. And what the thing that they have in common, however, is they do pay the same rate. Even if you have multiple insurers, each insurer pays the same rate for the same procedure. Mm-hmm. And that is administratively far more efficient. It's much easier. So you have one set of rules and regulations and one set of reimbursement and I agree with the caller completely on that
1: 244-1777 is our local number toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. sorry John was it Mark we had on the line
3: That's yeah good morning um, good morning how are you I'm doing fine yourself good thanks good good um, I just got back from Central Asia 10 months over there and had a hell of a conversation with an Uzbek for about six hours. Uh, He was good enough to give myself and my family a ride to where we needed to go. Ends up he's a photojournalist. And what he had to say has confirmed what you've heard me say over the years, calling in about these drugs. Um... I asked him, uh, to make a long story short, I asked him how much truth is there to the fact that our country, through the military, is protecting these opiates. Heroin, uh, specifically, most of our pharmaceutical uh, opiates come out of uh, New Zealand. Um, But the, the street stuff is coming... From Afghanistan, and he he looked at me and and he says the American people don't know this, and it just floored me. So maybe to answer your question mark, the availability is outrageous. It's phenomenal. Uh, The the bankers are right in there uh, laundering it through real estate most of the time, Um, and (laughs) we're being duped big time here, Mark. Let
1: me get the doctor comment. Thank you for your call, Mark. I appreciate it.
4: Well, that's a law enforcement question. I really wouldn't begin to know. I think he's right. There's a good amount of the heroin coming out of Afghanistan, but as yeah, far as re- protection,
1: record amounts too.
4: Do not know uh, what sort of efforts are being made to stop that. Um, but yes, if we could affect the supply, that would be that would be tremendous and a tremendous help.
1: So uh, go, uh, Richard. You're next. Good morning. Hello? Go ahead. Go ahead. I can hear
0: you. Uh, it's good morning, Mark. My name is Richard Poole. Um, I just wondered, uh I have a question for your guest. Uh, I've seen a number of reports that say the costs of procedures around the country vary by a factor of 10. Over and over again, they've confirmed this. Uh, so, in other words, uh, if it costs $1,000 for a knee operation here, it might cost 10000 somewhere else. Moreover, this doesn't correlate wow. to quality of care either. Wow. This being the okay. case, don't you think we ought to have more regulation and more uh, investigation of this before we talk about funding it?
1: Okay, all right. Well, thanks,
4: Richard. The, the, again, and the Green Mountain Care Board is actually looking into at least... Um, doing this at the private insurance level so that we would have what's called an all-payer model which would then reimburse at the same rate Um, and yes this is being done as I said in every other country it's absolutely obscene that we patients are paying all these different rates this is so the provider will eventually you know their their books will balance out. That's what this is about. So they might charge ten times the amount for one thing, but one tenth the amount of another thing. And that's just that's sort of the way their hospital charge master works. It is ridiculous. And yes, that is what a healthcare system would be. But we need some sort of public oversight, public stewardship of the healthcare system. And this is one of the ways uh, that we could uh, reduce costs and reduce unpredictability for the patient. Part
1: of pain. Th- this study that you talked about before, is it gonna be is it gonna be done by the January?
4: Yes. The primary care study, yes. That should you know, that was something that was passed in the last legislative session. Okay. Uh, to get that done, to find out exactly how much it would cost. And the number that we came up with is the top figure. In fact it would probably be far less than that.
1: Okay. You see any realistic chance they'll even move on it in January?
4: Uh, we hope so. I, I really, you know, at this point, um, it's hard to say because, remember, it's an election year. And the idea of raising any money, the people in, in opposition to any kind of attacks can can make hay with that and make it difficult.
1: Yeah. Thanks for coming down here to Red Hen Cafe and Bakery. Always great to see you. Nice Next. to be here, Mark. Yeah. Dr. Deb Richter, uh, we're going to take a break here for news. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Coming up in hour number two this morning, uh, Louie Mano and Jim Condon in the house here. So we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. We'll uh, get the latest uh, from our friends in Washington, D.C., and then we'll uh, chat with uh, with uh, Louie and Jim. That'll be coming your way in just a few moments. This is FM 96.1 WDEV Warren and AM 550 WDEV Waterbury, Montpelier. News coming your way shortly.